I think the first would be trust. We have been speaking about it for a while. My managers or everybody around me, if they trust my work, if they can trust the fact that, okay, I'll get the thing done, that is the first thing. If by any chance I feel I'm not being trusted, I'm being questioned at every point or stage, that would be a big red flag for me. The second would be obviously work-life balance. I know we say it a lot in our companies. We mentioned everybody is concerned, but when they are giving us work or tasks, a lot of the times they don't really ask us, is it feasible? How long will it take us to complete? They're just giving us a task. Welcome to the YourLivingBrand.Live show. This show is all about how you communicate your value, how you build influence through trust, and recognizing who your audience is and who they are not. Through our weekly conversations with our guests, we will explore different ways to enable you to demonstrate your uniqueness while we ask them, what's your story? And now, welcome our host, Ben Baker. Welcome to another episode of the Your Living Brand Live show. My name is Ben Baker. Welcome back, my wonderful audience. I love the fact that you guys come back every single week, every single month, every single year. We've been doing this for five and a half years now. And I appreciate every single one of you that you guys share this and you guys comment, that you email me at ben at yourbrandmarketing.com, that you can find me at, on LinkedIn at Your Brand Marketing. And we sit there and we talk about what's going on, what you like, what you don't like, what you're thinking about and what you're interested in. So I love that. Thank you for being an amazing audience. This week, we're going to take a completely different take. Most weeks, we talk to industry experts and we talk to them about ideas about what's going on in business. But over the last little while, we've been talking about communication. And I wanted to bring in people that are in the workforce, people that are actually on the team, people that are doing things, the millennials and the Gen Zs, and have them come on and have them talk about onboarding, quiet quitting, talking about engagement, talking about loyalty, trust, all these different issues that we've been thinking about and be able to make sure that we understand from their point of view, what do they need to be successful? Because nobody wants to quit a job every 18 months. Nobody's out there wanting to have their resume in their hands all the time. We need to find out how we can work together to make this more successful. So let me bring on board MTS Khan and Erica Parisi. Welcome to the show, you two. Thank you. Thanks, Ben. Thanks for having us. Listen, I'm excited to have both of you guys. What I wanted to find out is both of you guys work. Jermaine St. Denis was on my show a number of months ago, and he worked with you guys both at Ceridian. Now, you're both not with Ceridian anymore, so we can mention that as just a point of reference. But I wanted to find out from both of you guys, when you left there and you guys were looking for a new position, what were the things that you were thinking about? Because you sit there and say, okay, I've had a job. I've had a good job. I was making money. It was time for whatever reason to move forward, and it really doesn't matter. What were the thoughts going through your mind saying, okay, when I move forward, when I look for my next position, these are the things I want to have, and these are the things I need to have. So Erica, why don't you start off with that, and let's get this conversation started. Mm -hmm. So my experience with living, leaving Sweden was a bit different. I wasn't actively looking. I had an opportunity that came to me. But to be sold on the opportunity, I really was searching for certain criteria, right? So I wanted stability. I was definitely looking for stability. While I was at Ceridian, to be honest, in a year and maybe 15 months that I was there, I think I had four different managers. It gets a bit tough trying to build a relationship with every new manager every three months, right? You're trying to move up in a company. You're trying to 
get on new opportunities. You're trying to learn, you're trying to grow. And every three months, a new person that you have to build a relationship with. So the stability for me just wasn't there. Additionally, so I was really looking for an opportunity. What can a new company give to me that Ceridian couldn't give to me? And for me, ultimately, was a whole new ball game in the consulting world, whereas Ceridian is very technical. I think where I moved on to was it became more of a mix of functional and technical. It was a whole new world of consulting. So it was really the opportunity and the stability that was offered to me. Perfect. MCS, why don't you give me your thoughts and then we're going to take it from there. Yeah, sure. So for me, I think it was more about the community. So I had a very close friend who worked for Ceridian and he switched to a different company because he got a better offer and a better opportunity there. So it was kind of, that was the first reason he reached out to me. He was like, there's an opportunity. Do you want to switch your job? I was like, yeah, why not? Let's give it a shot. It was a big company as well. The other big reason was the salary was pretty big. So it was a good switch for me as well. So me living in this generation, I think the cost of living is really high. So monetary increase is very important as well. So that was one of the big reasons why I switched. Let's get that out of the way. Let's get out of the way of money and opportunity because money is important to us, especially when we're younger and we have none. We were all at one stage of our life where we were sitting there going, okay, money is important because it buys the things that we need to have. And you're married, Epdias, and I think you have a kid on the way and you have diapers and formula and education and all that kind of stuff to pay for. And I get that. But is it the money or is it what the money and the opportunity provides you? When you say opportunity, what does that mean to you? How do you measure opportunity? So, for example, when I was working in Ceridian, it was more learning about their software. So I wasn't learning anything which was transferable knowledge, right? So being able to have that platform where you can grow, you can learn something where you're not just tied to one company. That was a big opportunity for me. That's how I see opportunity as. The other thing is with Ceridian, obviously, I had a great mentor, great community. But at the same time, as the company was growing it was losing the touch that we require. Like a lot of my friends, close people, they were leaving because of the workload. So I think we also need a lot of flexibility. We need to be trusted. When we're working for a company, if you keep asking me why this is not done, rather, if you give me that opportunity to know my situation, I think it's important because we live in a uh, generation where we have to deal with a lot of things all at the same time. So it was important for me to have that transition where I can be valued. I don't have to be answering each and every question. And Sweden obviously is a great company, but I feel like it wasn't trusting my work as much as it should. So Erica, why don't you answer that same question? And then I want to get on to expectations and accountability, because I think that really is the heart of what MTS was talking about. Mm-hmm. So if I can just piggyback off of what MTS was saying, in terms of the non-transferable skills, I completely agree with that one, right? We were strictly learning uh, Dayforce and it was there was some functional consulting involved, but it was mostly about getting the system out type of thing. Whereas when you move on to a consulting company, you're really learning how to consult with a client, how to get them where they need to go and It might not be their current state, but it should be their future state. Whereas that's not really what we were learning. It was whatever their current state is should be their future state. Just kind of get it out there. That skill, I think, just when you combine that with the systems that we've learned, I just think to get us to a very good spot in our careers and just for the future, I really think that's what I was looking for. So from what I'm hearing from both of you on that is 
it's not just learning a skill, it's learning transferable skills and skills that will allow you to piggyback and learn other skills. It's that constant growth and that's constant ability to learn and challenge yourself and to do different things instead of being, this is what you do, this is what you're going to continue to do. Yeah, there might be a revision of the software, but all you're going to do is be able to learn different versions of the same thing. Is that a good way to put it, both of you? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And if I can just add to one more thing that MTS said, he was kind of mentioning the why wasn't this done type of thing. I agree with him on that. If you're hiring employees, you should kind of trust them to get the work done without having to always be on top of them and asking them, why isn't it done? Rather, to be honest, where I'm at now, it's I'll get the question, but follow-up question will be, how can I help you get it done? Which is, I think, what we appreciate in our generation, right? I think everyone's very aware that it's a heavy field. There's a lot to do. There's a lot to learn. And acknowledging that we are younger in this field and we might not have all the answers. So offering the, how can I help you get it done? I personally really appreciate that. So I think that's very important for me and I'm sure Intez agrees. So, I mean, that's an interesting point because I agree with that, that a role of a leader is to remove the issues of the people that they're leading, is, is to be able to make them champions, help people succeed. That's the first rule of a leader. What are the things that you guys are looking for for your next leader? Knowing where you are now and where you're going, what are the things that if you were going to sit there and say, that's the person that I want to have as my next leader, what are the skill sets that person would have that would make you want to follow them and work for them harder? Imtiaz? Yeah, I can go first. So one thing is a vision. I think leaders should have a vision as to where they want us to go, at least guide us through that. I'm a big fan of Elon Musk because he has a vision. He knows what he wants. And that kind of puts us into a position as to how we decide what will work and what won't work. The other thing is to have trust. This is something very similar to what I've said before. Sometimes what happens is with the new structure that we have, I know customer is the most important thing. And that's what all the companies tell us, right? Customer is the most important thing. We need to make sure. And when we're serving customers, the companies need to understand that not all the time the customers are right. Sometimes we have to work, we have to deal with difficult customers. Sometimes they have different emotions and that can delay our work. That can be barriers to how we can succeed. So if our managers are coming to us and going like, okay, you had a deadline for a week and it's not done yet. Instead of asking that question, as Erika mentioned, they should be asking, okay, what went wrong? How can I help you? How can I escalate it? Because sometimes we don't have all the resources. We don't know who to reach out to in situations like that. So I think having a leader who listens to us, who asks the right questions, and also gives us a vision as to what is it expected. Like we get tasks on a project, but those are small, minute tasks, and we're not really sure about the whole picture, right? So if they can give us a vision, okay, this is a client who needs this solution, we get the bigger picture. We understand what the common goal is, and we can work Maybe the way they asked us to complete a task, maybe that's not important. Maybe it can be done a better way. Then we can contribute by giving more suggestions, much better optimized, better solutions. So I think it's important to be in that loop where we understand the whole picture rather than just getting small tasks to work on. Erica? To be honest, where I'm currently working, the leaders in my current team are pretty great. But I would maybe like to see a bit more of is empathy and maybe a bit more work on the work-life balance. It can be very hard. And especially being a woman, and I'm not trying to discredit anything, but especially being a woman, right? We have stuff to take care of. We got to cook. We got to clean. Sometimes the days can be very, very long. And 
I just feel like sometimes there's no empathy there. So I think that's something that can be worked on. But aside from that, to be honest, everything that Imtiaz kind of mentioned, I do see it in my leaders of today. They're very, how do I help you get to where you have to be? We're not micromanaged or kind of, we trust you to do your work unless obviously it's really not done. Then we'll kind of be micromanaged. But aside that, we trust you to get your work done. We have counselors. We don't really have managers. We have counselors. So our counselors are really there to essentially help us to get to where we want to get. So if we say, if I were to go to my counselor and say, I want to be a project manager in the future and I no longer want to be a technical consultant, well, she's going to work to get me on a project that will help me grow my project management skills to get me to where I want to go in my career. So that's kind of all. In terms of a future leader, to be honest, I think my leaders are pretty great at the moment. But a little bit more empathy might not be a horrible thing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so let's talk about communication styles because that can always be a challenge. We all speak and listen differently. What are the things that you find are the most effective communication styles for you? Because everybody communicates better. People listen differently. How do you like to be communicated with? And what do you find is the most effective way? Erica? I think feedback. I think feedback is really key, whether it's positive feedback, whether it's constructive feedback. I often feedback, sorry, I often find myself asking for feedback. That just kind of reinforces either I'm doing a good job or I'm not. And then when I know someone is comfortable giving me feedback, it kind of builds that trust with them. So I'm able to have certain conversations with them. That might be a little bit harder if I don't know how they're going to take it or I don't know how they think or they process or they judge and not necessarily judge in a bad way, but just judge a situation in general, right? If I don't have a trust with someone, it'll be harder for me to have certain conversations. So I feel like feedback is very critical in feedback and trust essentially is very critical in my conversation style personally. So more of an informal communication in terms of feedback in the moment, not waiting for a monthly review or quarterly review or a yearly review. It's, Erica, we have a problem. We need to deal with this. Let's sit down and let's talk about it and figure out how we're going to do it together. Is that more of a type of situation you're looking for? I mean, it would depend who I'm talking to, right? So if it's my project manager, who I'm, he's a very hands-on type of project manager. He's super great on the project that I'm on a longer term project, so I'll be on it for a while. So I've built that relationship with him because I'm going to be working with him for a very long time. So I should build that relationship with him. But essentially, the conversations are informal. And if I need something or if I need to voice something, and I will, I'll call him and be like, hey, I don't agree with this and this and this. And he's very receptive because we've built that trust and we built that relationship. He'll be very receptive and he'll kind of turn around and be like, okay, what do you need? Or how can I make it better? Or who do we need to talk to that made you feel a certain way? So... I think it always comes down to trust, to be honest. And to be able to have those conversations in the moment and not letting things stew and build and get misinterpreted probably has a lot to do with that as well. Mm -hmm. Exactly. So MTI, same question to you. Yeah, I think I also agree with Erica. It's more about the feedback and being informal because we are kind of in a workforce right now where everything is getting a bit more informal. And I like the way our managers, they reach out to me on the spot with the current situation rather than wait for six months when I completely forget about the whole project, right? So having feedback or having the communication at the right time, I think it's important. And if it's informal, that way it's easier. The other thing is, I think if it's feedback, it needs to be personal instead of being very open about it in a large email communication. So I think if the managers are able to come to us in person and have a quick conversation that it doesn't make us feel uncomfortable. So I think that's important. 
Hi, everyone. Do you want to be your best customer's vendor of choice? Do you want to cement relationships with them, add real value, and gain insights that your competitors just can't get? Go to podcasthostforhire.com. That's podcasthostforhire.com. And let's work together to make you the value vendor of choice. And that's what I want to get into is how do you like to be communicated with? There's Teams, there's Slack, there's chatbots, there's all sorts of different technology at our fingertips. If there's a problem, if there's an issue that needs to be dealt with, how do you guys want to be communicated with? You want a phone picked up? Do you want email saying, listen, can you come into my office? What's the best way for people to actually have those conversations that should be intimate, that are one-on-one, that should not be done in front of a group in such a way that you guys feel that it's both immediate and it's also has that personal touch to it? I can go first on this. So I feel like any kind of feedback, if it's related to our performance, if it's related to an incident that happened, it's better if it's in person or at least over the phone rather than being on an email or a chat. Because sometimes you don't understand the tone. You don't get the message completely when it's a written communication. But if it's a face-to-face, you see their uh, tone and that makes a big difference. So I think if it's a hard communication that needs to be done from the manager to us, letting us know about our performance, it's better if it's uh, in person or at least a phone conversation rather than just a video conference would be much better than a phone conversation. But a written Email sometimes makes us uncomfortable because really sure how to respond to it, how to explain the whole situation in a response. So I think in-person conversation is much better. Erica? Yeah, I would have to agree with certain points that MTS said. I think it depends the conversation we're having, right? So if it, it is a feedback conversation, even if it's a conversation, with say, with a partner of my firm, I obviously won't necessarily talk to the partner of my firm the way I talk to someone I I talk to every day, right? It's not the same relationship. It's not the same level of conversation that we have. That'll be a bit more formal. And I would say that generally done through like an email. If there is something that needs to be said to me quickly, I would say Teams is probably the best for me. To be honest, I I think I was just kind of grown, like I kind of just grew up with a phone in my hand. So I always have my phone with my Teams there and it's like a text message. So, you know, I'm very into texting. It's my age group. So I think that's the quickest way. And then depending on Is it a quick resolution? Is it not a quick resolution? If it is, then it'll be done. If not, then I'll generally escalate. Let's just have a quick call. It's way simpler, way quicker to just have a quick call on it. But generally, like the first means of communication, I would definitely say is Teams. We all love our own technology. I'm a big believer of two texts, one out, one back. If it isn't resolved, I pick up a phone. It just makes my life so much easier. Yeah. I also feel like we're kind of in that age group where getting certain phone calls, if we don't know who it is, to be honest, I don't don't answer sometimes. I'm just not... Like, who's calling me? People don't usually call me. So if I do see a phone call, I'm like, oh, who's this? I'm just not going to answer. Leave a message or text me. So I just feel like, yeah. So back to my, like, it's definitely Teams. <laughs> Send me a message on Teams. And then if we need a call, then at least I know who's calling me. And I think when we're dealing with expectations and accountability, I think it's up to leaders and team members together to have those conversations and say, look, what method of conversation works for us, both of us? Because it's got to be something that is going to be mutually convenient and something that's going to be comfortable for both people. And it's going to be something that's going to be doesn't make the other person feel uncomfortable or feel ignored or miscommunicated or whatever. And I think that we need to work together to be able to do all that. So I want to get into quiet quitting because it's the big word right now. Everybody sitting there going, oh, quiet quitting. And people are banging their chest and say, yep, I quiet quit. I've been doing it for five years. And I'm like, 
okay, it's just another word for disengagement. It's another word for just doing your job and only doing your job. I'm paid for 40 hours. At 40 hours and one minute, I'm out the door. Or I'm only paid to make 40 phone calls a day. I'm not making 41. How prevalent is this amongst your age group? How many people actually admit to it? And how often are you actually seeing this within the workforce of people actually working to rule versus sitting there going, you know what? Yeah, but this is my job. MTS? So I can't speak for all my generation, but I can talk about myself. Honestly, especially with the current company that I'm working in, it's never been nine to five job. It's never been you have to sign in at nine, you have to log out by five. It's more like, okay, these are the tasks that you have at hand, make sure you get them done by the deadline. So if need be, I have been working up until 9 p.m. at some days. And there are days, maybe I just worked two to three hours and I was done with it. And the flexibility that this company provides, it's kind of really helpful for me as well, because they're not really asking for accountability. Okay, you have to sign in at nine, even if you don't have a meeting. Maybe I have a meeting at one in the afternoon, but I don't have to, to wake up early to be in the office and do nothing at all. So it's never been like I'm waiting for 40 hours to be completed and I'm checking out, given 60 hours if need be. And that's how I work. And that's, I think, been really helpful for the company as well. Erica? Yeah, I would have to agree. I think Kaz and I are we're clearly in the same field, right? So I can't ever say I said, well, I did my eight hours and I'm just going to log off for the day and I have a million other things to do for go live. Like I never done that. And I can't say I work with anyone who's done that either. Do I know some people who will be, well, I did my 40 hours and that's all? Yes. I think it also depends on the type of job. I think just the career path you choose. Some jobs you can do that, some jobs you don't. I think in the consulting world, I've heard many people say, consulting job, it's never 40 hours. It's always a little bit more. And it is, it's true. I do think it's important that companies recognize that. And I think that they allow you to be flexible. And you touched on a point in your previous comment where you were kind of saying setting expectations with your leaders on calls and stuff like that. So when I actually was added to this current project that I keep mentioning, the project manager on this project actually reached out to me kind of just to introduce me to the project. And he was, in terms of setting expectations, he was super open in, in the sense that he kind of asked me, are you a morning person or are you an evening person? And to me, it's like... It's a great question. Right? You don't expect me to be awake at 8.30 a.m. Because I'm definitely a night person. I like to sleep in in the morning. I appreciated that so much. I was like, some prior jobs that I've been at, if I start at 8 and I was there at 8.02, I would get a warning. Whereas here is, I can adapt to you. If you're more of a later night working person, we'll work maybe until 6, 7, but we won't work at 6 a.m. And I really appreciate that adaptability. That So yeah, like some of the work-life balance plays into that, but the flexibility that comes with that, it's really great. So it's the ability to sit there and say, look, these are the projects that we need to get done. This is why we need to get it done. It needs to be done by this time. How you get it done is up to you. Is that what you guys appreciate? Yeah. Mm-hmm. MTS? Exactly. Yes, exactly. Great. So let's move on from there to one of my favorite questions. Work from home, work from office, hybrid. What's best for you and why? MTS? That's a tough question, honestly, because ever since I joined the workforce, it's been online for me. I've been working from home. But honestly, if you give me the option, I think a hybrid would be a good option for me because what I have realized is 
through my career, the lack of seeing your fellow colleagues makes it difficult to work. Sometimes you don't feel engaged. So if I do have the option to go into office and work and see my colleagues who are working on the same project and you know have a quick conversation, which is something really tough over just phone calls or team because we haven't really seen any, anybody face-to-face. So the team building, I think it's really important for us to meet in person. That being said, it doesn't have to be a mandatory thing. Like I think it should be more like once a month or once a week. If you are able to, we can team up with all the members that we want to meet or work in a project. If we have that flexibility, I think it's much better rather than the company telling us you have to come every Monday or you have to come every Saturday. Rather than that, if we are given that flexibility where we can communicate with our team members and tell them, okay, let's meet up on Thursday evening and work on this problem that we have been struggling for a while to get together. So I think that flexibility of working in a hybrid situation would be much better for me. Erica? I realize my answers are very similar to MTS's, but so same thing for me. I actually started consulting. So I started Ceridian on the first day of the pandemic. So March 16, 2020, I'm never going to forget that anniversary date. That was my first day at Ceridian. And prior to that, I had worked in recruitment and finance. So it was definitely the furthest thing from consulting. And so I've always done this job remotely. And do I like going to the office and seeing my colleagues 100%? I'm at times I can be a very social butterfly. Other times, however, I like to just be home alone in my cocoon, not being bothered by anyone. But I would say hybrid. However, I would lie saying I'm like, I'm having an easy time adapting. I'm not just because I've never done this kind of job in an office. And as we said, it's not always the shortest days, right? They could be long days. We could have meetings from like eight to six. It's if you factor in travel time, I don't live close to the office at all. So if I factor in travel time, my day becomes like 15 hours. So I do prefer, like, not that I do prefer, I do enjoy hybrid because uh, people interaction, I just find it's very important, right? To get out of the house a little bit, to not be looking at the same four walls all the time, just in general for your social skills and social development. I think it's important to see other humans (laughs) once in a while. It's in this type of job, I would have to say hybrid, but not very often in the office. I think I prefer (laughs) remotely, but, and to MTS's point, I do agree that you're trusting us and you're putting these big projects in our hands and you're trusting us to get the stuff done. I think you should trust us to make our decision or let us decide when we want to go in, when's the best time for us to go in, rather than giving us a mandate or a quota of you need to be in every single Monday, as MTS said, MTS said or you need to come into the office minimum three to four days a week. So I think if you're trusting us to get the work done on projects, you should also trust us to make our schedules and know to go into the office, right? When we can. So it's interesting when you say that because Apple just created a mandate. It'll be interesting to see what happens with this because you're getting some pushback and some people just all over the news saying how horrific this is. What they've said is everybody in the office on Tuesdays and Thursdays. And then for teams, you can decide one day a week that is just for your team. And you guys can make that decision as your team. It can be Monday, it could be Wednesday, it could be Friday. They don't care. It could be Saturday for all they care. And you as a team decide what works for you. So my question is, why is that so horrible? And if it is horrible, what could be done better in order to make that work for everybody? Because I do understand that there's commute. However, you're also having to deal with the needs of the greater organization and not just the needs of the individual. And they've got to be weighed off against each other. So for me, I think 
something like that is not progressive, right? It wasn't, let's progressively start coming in one time a week for one month, and then we can move on to two weeks, right? It's right away off the bat, three days a week, starting next week. I just think the last few years have been very hard and any sudden change in our lives at this point is very hard to adapt to. And as humans, yes, we should adapt to change, but I just think there's been a lot of hardships over the last few years and a sudden change like this, it's, you know, a lot of us have adapted in terms of, I don't have any kids yet, but are my kids going to daycare or since I'm home, do I still have to pay for daycare since I'm home, right? Like maybe I can get rid of that expense. Now, if I have to go back to the office three days a week, that's an additional expense I have to consider, right? Or before I may have used to order takeout a lot because I didn't have time to cook dinner. But during the pandemic, sorry, I had time to cook dinner every single night because I was home, but now I'm going to have to resort to takeout again, which can also be an expense. So I just think people have adapted to life at home. It's a sudden change to have to go back to the office three days a week. So it's how it's being implemented. It's not the fact that it's being implemented. It's that the speed of how it's being implemented. Exactly. I think it's not progressive at all. It needs to be implemented in a certain way that we're getting used to it and we're working on it and we're trying to figure out our lives and how we're going to adapt it. And that's not how it's happening. MTS. For me, I think it's more to do with the reason. What's the reason that they want to mandate it, right? Is it important for me to be going in office and working in the same closed doors, not meeting anyone? Does that benefit anyone? Or is it like we have some functions, we have some training? Are we going in for a reason, right? So if there is a reason, I don't mind going every Saturday, every Tuesday, Wednesday, but it has to be important for me to be present. Like we have all these all-hand calls and we are all quiet. We don't contribute in any way. We're not even paying attention. Maybe we're multitasking, emailing our clients. So if we are going on Tuesdays and Wednesdays and we're doing our own thing and we're not getting any benefit out of it, I don't see why we should agree to it. Because to be honest, if I ask you, you have to travel from Toronto to Mississauga, for example, by walking, even though you have trains, you have bus, you have other ways to do it faster. Would you do it? Maybe not, right? So why should I commute to office when I can get my work done from my home via good internet? Because everything is changing right now. The workforce has changed. So I think it's important for us to figure out what benefit would it be if everybody is forced to come to the workforce. So what's the purpose? Why are we coming into the office? How does it benefit not only me, but how does it make everybody's life better? It's not just coming into the office just so you could be on Teams meeting with somebody on floor number three when you're on floor number five. Absolutely get that. So a couple of quick questions, and then I'm going to let you go. And the one question that comes to mind, and I think that this is the one that I want to end on is, what would make you leave a company? What is the one thing that you would sit there and say, that's it. I've had enough that, you know, that just doesn't fly with me. I got to go. Erica? I think for me, it would be the moment I don't feel like I'm gaining anything, any knowledge, or I'm not being challenged anymore. I'm someone I need to constantly be busy. I need to constantly feel like I'm being challenged and I'm learning and my brain is kind of stimulating. I've been in positions where I have been incredibly bored and it's not fun. Um, So I think that would be a factor of it. Another factor, and I know I mentioned this a bit earlier, but I think the work-life balance. Eventually, I would like to have some children. So I just think the work-life balance for me is incredibly important. I can't do 65, 70-hour weeks if I have a little baby at home, right? It's not going to be feasible. So I think for me, those are the two major components. And yes, for me, I think the first would be trust. We have been speaking about it for a while. 
my managers or everybody around me, if they trust my work, if they can trust the fact that, okay, I'll get the thing done. That is the first thing. If by any chance I feel I'm not being trusted, I'm being questioned at every point or stage, that would be a big red flag for me. The second would be obviously work-life balance. I know we say it a lot in our companies. We mentioned everybody is concerned, but when they are giving us work or tasks, a lot of the times they don't really ask us, is it feasible? How long will it take us to complete? They're just giving us a task. Okay, normally, generally it takes four weeks, get it done in four weeks. But are we prepared to complete it in four weeks? Do we have the bandwidth? These are some questions I think they should be asking. And if they're not, what happens is they end up giving us a lot of work and we burn ourselves trying to meet the deadlines, trying to meet their needs. And in the long run, it's never a happy situation for us. And I'm like, okay, this needs to stop. I'm not gaining anything out of this. I need to have a healthy family life as well. So that definitely is a red flag for me. I love these answers. These have been absolutely phenomenal. I'm going to make sure that your LinkedIn connections are both on the show notes so everybody can get to it. But here's the question I'm going to ask you, because this is one I ask everybody as they walk out the door. As you leave a meeting and you get in your car and you drive away, what's the one thing you want people to think about you when you're not in the room? MTS? That's a tough question. So I think one thing that I want to think about, like I want my all the people or clients to think about me is that they can reach out to me. I'm accessible. I'm just a phone call away or just a text away. So that's one thing I want my clients or my friends or anybody to feel when I connect with them or I meet them. I love it. Erica? For me, I aspire to be one of those people that you'll leave a meeting and be like, I want to be like her one day. I want to be a role model for people. I want people to say she really has the ability to get stuff done. I think that's just important. I think for me in life, I want to be able to help people. I want to be able to lead them. And if there's one takeaway I'd want people to have about me, it would be that. Well, the two of you have given us some great things to think about. It's been really enlightening. And you know what? I love the answers. People need to sit and rewind this a couple of times and take notes because there's some real gold here. And I want to thank you both for your thoughts and your passion and doing what you do. So thank you very much for being on the show. Thanks for having us. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. Exactly. It's been really a pleasure. This has been the Your Living Brand Live show. I want to thank you for tuning in today. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to the show at yourlivingbrand.live and share your favorite episodes with colleagues and friends. At Your Brand Marketing, we help companies engage, retain, and grow their most valuable assets, their employees. If you're tired of losing great staff and want to retain your best employees, build brand champions and leaders at any level. Contact us for a 30-minute consultation at yourbrandmarketing.com. That's www.yourbrandmarketing.com. Thank you again for listening and sharing. Tune in next week when we ask another guest, what's your story?